So what they did skippily and welcome again to another episode of Latin and Layman's. What we're going to be doing is another myth. It's going to be a shorter one for today. It's actually going to be the myth of Cygnus, um, who is the son of Poseidon. And uh, he ends up getting into a little bit of a battle with Achilles. And we're going to talk about it. And we're going to talk about the moral implications of such if they do apply in our modern world. And then we're going to tie it back in. Uh, with classical antiquity as well, and see if those kind of overlap in a way. So if you're curious, um, this is kind of an interesting story. I haven't read it in kind of a long time, so it was nice to kind of reread it and remind myself a lot of things that I'd forgotten in the past about it. So if you're curious, dive on into it with me. And while I also am on uh, a little bit of a ramble bamble, I got to also plug my podcast wherever you're listening to this podcast. I would urge you to go figure out a way to give me some sort of rating. Uh, I would really appreciate it. You guys know me. I don't ask for much in this world, uh, but uh, a five-star rating would be nice or a rating uh, that you objectively feel like I deserve. So with that being said, let us dive right on into it. Once upon a time, a long, long time ago, way off in a far away land, there was a great and terrible war between the Greeks and the people of Troy that had just begun. A fleet of Greek ships had dropped anchor. Warriors armed to the teeth were wading ashore. The people of Troy knew this army had come to attack their city. The Trojan men sharpened their swords. They harnessed horses to chariots. They seized helmets and shields and strapped on breastplates. The bronze gates of their city were thrown open and the Trojan army poured out across the plain with a whirring of wheels, a creaking of chariots, a neighing of horses, a shouting of men and a thundering of hooves and feet. With a crash of bronze against bronze, the Trojans met the Greeks. And striding among the Trojan soldiers was a warrior called Cygnus. He stood head and shoulders above all other men. His skin was charmed against the striking of all weapons. Sword, dagger, spear, arrow, and battle axe. He was a son of Poseidon, the god of the sea. He was white-skinned, white-lipped, white-tongued, as white as sea foam. He cut down Greeks with every stroke of his sword, with every thrust of his spear. While the Greek swords buckled against his skin, and Greek spears glanced from him, as if glancing from stone, he left a wake of dead behind him as he fought. Among the Greeks were the fiercest of all the warriors, Achilles. As soon as his eyes fastened on Cygnus, he came bounding across the battlefield towards him, as though he was running through long grass. When he drew close to Cygnus, he lifted his spear. No, it was Achilles, Achilles who killed you. With all the strength of his arm, he hurled his spear. It struck Cygnus in his throat and clattered down to the ground at his feet as though it was a reed that had been thrown by a little boy. Cygnus lifted both his arms and laughed. Throw another one, my little friend. I know who you are. 
you're Poseidon's son. But I'm no more afraid of you than of a mosquito that I might smear across my arm. From head to foot, I am charmed against the striking of all weapons. Achilles drew his bronze sword then and attacked Cygnus. He leapt and twisted, cutting and slashing in his sharp-edged blade, until Cygnus's armor hung from his body like a shattered eggshell. But still the white skin was unscratched, and still Cygnus laughed at Achilles. And then he lifted his own spear and he threw it. He threw it with such force that Achilles staggered backwards. The blade had penetrated the gold of his shield. It had penetrated nine layers of hardened oxide. But then Achilles caught his balance and smiled grimly. And it was as though in that moment he had solved a riddle. He curled his lips back from his teeth and screamed. He leapt and smashed his shield into Cygnus's face. He ground the boss of his shield to the left and to the right until Cygnus's nose was smeared across his cheek with his teeth being shattered. Cygnus fell backwards and Achilles knelt on his shoulders. If weapons won't harm you, what will armor do? He tore the helmet from Cygnus's head and wrapped the helmet straps around his throat. He tugged and twisted and tightened and tourniqueted until Cygnus's head was half torn off from his shoulders and every last shudder of life was gone from him. Splattered with blood and shrieking with laughter, Achilles leapt to his feet. The Trojan army stood and stared at him, appalled. And then a strange thing happened. The twisted, broken neck of Cygnus began to stretch and to curve. His face narrowed. His mouth stretched and hardened into a beak. White feathers pushed through his white skin. His father had taken pity on him and had transformed him into a swan. He beat his feathered arms against the air and the shattered eggshell armor fell off his body. He flew up and up and up into the sky, high above the battlefield. Every warrior stared up at him. There was no sound but the sighing and the sowing of his wings. Three times he circled above both armies and then he flew over the white sands, over the masts of ships, over the blue waves of the sea, and he was gone. Remember how I talked about literally the Iliad starts with uh, the wrath of Achilles? Well, um, here's a little bit of the wrath of Achilles. And um, yeah, he's a pretty ruthless guy. I mean, I talked about how like when he, you know, he defeated Hector after Hector had killed his his homie G. Patroclus or Patroclus or however you pronounce it there. People pronounce it different. It's like it's not Telemachus. It's Telemachus. What is it? Potato, potato, tomato, tomato. Anyways, um, yeah, so. That was pretty ruthless, and it's very interesting because it's a story about really um, kind of like the the beginning of the Trojan War, the Iliad, um, and you know the eventual after the Iliad leads into the Aeneid. I think we're going to start doing more readings from the Aeneid because you know it's basically like the foundation myth for uh, the Roman Empire, and uh, you know that's what Augustus did. Augustus employed Virgil actually to create. Um, 
basically this foundation story other than just, you know, Romulus and Remus uh, to explain basically the foundation of the Roman Empire and who founded it, a.k.a. Aeneas, the only person that actually fled and was able to escape the sack of Troy. And then he ends up going on his own little adventure while all these other, you know, Greek heroes find their their own little adventures trying to get back home, right? Agamemnon has his own journey getting back home, and then he has to deal with Clytemestra being all ticked off at him for the fact that he had sacrificed his daughter Iphigenia, and then all that stuff happens, and then Clytemnestra ends up killing Agamemnon. Or you got a Odysseus that ends up going through basically, you know, his Odyssey, right? The Odyssey is basically his journey coming back home where, you know, Telemachus, a.k.a. Telemachus or whatever, you know, is with his mom Penelope and Penelope is warding off all, the, all these suitors and everything like that. You know, each Greek hero has all their own individual story uh, that follows suit after the Iliad that kind of, you know, it continues the story, but in their own individual isolated um, world, essentially. So, like I said, Achilles, he would have had a story, except he was deaded, right? He ends up getting killed in the Trojan War and uh, through a very uh, stupid way by a stupid little boy. Um, I'm pretty sure it was Paris. I don't know why I'm blanking, but yeah, it was Paris because he, you know, he ends up getting lucky. He ends up getting lucky too quick, uh, too easily. Paris is, uh, and Paris is also the one that, you know, probably could have very much not, you know, played into his impulses like he did. And then there wouldn't have been a war over Helen in the first place. But you know what? Such is life. And that's how we get myths is because things happen that don't really make a lot of sense. But you know what? That's how we get the story that is etched in history. So, so yeah, you know, we, we look at Achilles, we're like, wow, that, that dude is, can be ruthless. And as you can see, he was pretty ruthless and he had to figure out a way to kill Cygnus because Cygnus here, he was just like Achilles. He could not be killed. You know, the myth of Cygnus and Achilles, you know, it's kind of just this story about war and violence and revenge in a way, but it's also kind of a story of love and loss and redemption as well. You know, because in the story, you got Cygnus, who's a Trojan prince. He's invulnerable to harm. He's the son of Poseidon. Achilles, however, is a Greek warrior who is also invulnerable to harm, but he is the son of um, Peleus, a.k.a. Uh, the king of the Myrbidans, and uh, Thades, who is a sea nymph. Um, and the two men meet in battle and they fight to the death, right? We see that happen. Achilles is unable to kill Cygnus with his weapon. So instead, he strangles him with the helmet straps, um, basically kind of rips his head off almost, basic, which is pretty ruthless. Poseidon, who is watching the battle, he's pretty furious, pretty upset, pretty sad. He loses his son. So what does he end up doing at the end of the day? He transforms Cygnus into a swan and carries him away to sea to, you know, to save him in a way after his death. Um, in a way, a lot of, not a lot of moral implications to be pulled and extrapolated from the story, but we have an ideological myth to explain where a swan came from. The first swan was Cygnus. Cygnus being twisted and mangled and writhed around, I guess, you know, it ended up, I don't know. But such is mythology and such are ideological myths to explain the unexplainable. I mean... I, I I think it can be kind of interpreted in many ways, uh, this myth in general. You know, we have this story of the futility of war. 
Others probably see it as a story more power of love and importance and forgiveness, right? Still, others see it as a story about the dangers of revenge as well, right? Achilles is just a really spiteful, uh, you know, hate-filled dude. I think, uh, and this is just me speculating, but this story was probably used to teach lessons about the dangers to war and the importance of forgiveness. But in our modern world, maybe the story can be used to kind of teach lessons about the importance of peace and nonviolence in these situations. But, you know, it is what it is because you can't really quell the wrath of Achilles, right? The, the wrath of Achilles is basically what the Iliad is centered around. But, you know, it, it, it kind of goes to show like, oh, maybe it, it's kind of highlighting Achilles' um, cunning nature, kind of like, you know, like with Odysseus and thinking about the Trojan horse. And, well, you know, there isn't any moral or ethical implications, but it shows the conniving nature of the Greeks in general and how witty they were, but how um, they used that wit in order to basically... Uh, lead their uh, enemies to their demise, essentially. I don't know. Just, yeah. It's a complex story, though. It can be interpreted in a lot of ways. I kind of wanted to just kind of a ruthless myth. I don't know how you guys felt about it, but, um, yeah. If you didn't know, now you know. That's the story. It's kind of like the beginning part. Because if you didn't know, the Iliad... Uh, the Trojan War is basically like a proxy war, if you think about it. Like some of the gods took the sides of the Greeks, some of the gods took the sides of the Trojans, and then they basically used the Trojan War as kind of like a battle of chess, where you know some of the gods uh, blessed the Greeks, and then some of the Trojans were blessed by other gods, and then those were basically used as like the the head pawns um, uh, in the the match that they were playing it's a proxy war it's like what we do now as america through in other countries uh, across the world you know it's not like we're actually we're we're, we're we're watching it from a distance but we're also um having plenty of a plenty 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 of a, of a say i don't know what i'm trying to say there um in the outcome of the conflict right so so yeah I forget who takes what, but, you know, you have Aphrodite blessing this and that. You have Athena. You have uh, Zeus blessing this person, blah, blah, blah. And you have Achilles being blessed by Thales and blah, blah, blah. And skip the bop and rip the beep. And there you go. So in summer, we have this kind of ruthless story that takes place at the beginning of the Greek and the Trojan War, where we have a Trojan warrior, Cygnus, son of Poseidon had skin charmed against the strikes of really any weapon. And then we have Achilles here, the fiercest Greek warrior, who attempts to kill Cygnus, but he can't. So he gets a little ticked off, and realizing he is unable to harm him with weapons, he figures out the riddle, and he brutally attacks Cygnus with uh, his own armor instead, eventually, like virtually decapitating him with his helmet straps. So, and at the end of the day, Poseidon, taking pity on his son, transforms Cygnus into a swan and carries him away. I hope you guys enjoyed this little uh, episode for today, June 10th, 2023. Uh, and uh, well, that's all I have for you guys today.
remember, maybe this time, think your head, think your neck, think the fact that they're attached. Not trying to be coy, but there's a an aspect of being thankful of being uh, all as one body. But for real, thank your thank your Achilles tendon. God, I I have friends that have torn that that tendon before, and man, that is just such a rough rough injury. So thank that. Thank your posterior chain from your Achilles making your way up. What's above your Achilles tendon? Well, now you're kind of moving upwards to your gastrocnemius and your soleus. What does gastrocnemius mean again? Well, why don't you go ahead and flex your calf? Remember, your gastro is your stomach, nemius meaning of the lower leg. Your stomach of the lower leg. Look at that. Oh my gosh, I'm holding a little bit of a little tummy tum on my lower leg, aka my calf. And then if you move a little bit further up, you make it into the crease of that that joint there, right? The posterior aspect of the knee, right? That's where we get that angle. And then if you want to, you can be very deliberate and try and create a very, like a perpendicular 90 degree angle with your knee so that your foot is planted on the floor, you're sitting in the seat, and then you make your way further. And now you're into your hamstring and your hamstring being made up of three hamstrings. Moving lateral to medial, semitendinosus, semimembranosus, and bicep from Morris. Bicep meaning two heads of the femur. And what does it do? Well, if you think about it, your hamstring does the very same action as your bicep. It curls your leg, just like how your bicep curls your arm up. That's what we call the act of flexion flexion and then extension. Hey, if I were to extend my leg fully out so that now it's parallel to the floor, now what am I doing? My hamstrings are not engaged, but my quadriceps are because my quads are what extend my femur. Okay. And then we have my biarticular um, erectus femoris that crosses over both my hip and my knee joint there. Um, that creates the lifting of my leg as well. That's kind of like where you get a little bit of that hip flexor kind of stuff going on. So if you didn't know, now you know. And then we could continue to move forward, but I'm not going to because now you can get into your hips and you can feel deep into your hips and then move forward from that inguinal region into your tummy tum. And you guys know about my tummy tum. I hope maybe you guys have similar uh, feelings about your tummy tum, but regardless of, I think we ought to thank them even though maybe sometimes our bodies can uh, really frustrate us. At the end of the day, I hope you guys are doing well. And I hope you guys have a wonderful day. And until next time, tempus est discedere. Hey, that kind of rhymed.